Craft Beer Radio, episode 111, April 13th, 2008. Welcome to Craft Beer Radio, the show dedicated to craft beer and the craft brewing industry. I'm Jeff Baer. I'm Greg Weiss. And this week we'll be doing uh, some Belgian beers, kind of a spring cleaning episode. Yeah. We went through and we were able to loosely fit a style around some beers. <laughs> and mean, these are all American-made Belgians. American-made, but they, they, they're all, we assume, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> they should be all very good. It should be another fun show. Um, we haven't got any feedback when you, we've recorded this from our last show and how it sounded because um, I just posted it an hour ago. So now we got goblets. We have these Chimay goblets we're going to use for this. Uh, this is a avant-garde or a, uh, a beard guard, guard <laughs> rather, uh, from from Flying Dog. It's their guard dog. Yeah, I went with the, went with the Chimay over some of the other goblets because of that little nucleation thing in the yeah. bottom. Yeah, although it's not really doing much for this one in terms of well, a little. Actually, now it is. <laughs> Took a yeah. while, took a while for all the other for all the stuff around the outside to kind of calm down. But now mm-hmm. you can definitely see it. It is a cool, cool little effect. It's like this uh, small. It's not just for visual either, though, because it's gonna you know keep some head on there. You right. know, keep building head, whatnot. Now, poured with a very light head, it kind of went away almost immediately. There's a little island of foam where the nucleation site is leaving the bubbles. Mm-hmm. It has a has a you know a vinous grapey smell. Lots of banana type smell too. Aren't you getting like bananas? Now that you mention it, I can I can smell that. I can smell that sort of uh, high sugary. Yeah, content. I got yeah. bananas a lot more when I was farther away, and then when I got my nose in on it, it was more grapey. Yeah. So, like when I was pouring it, I was just smelling like bananas. <laughs> it smells good. It looks, uh, you know, it's a. What is that on the SRM scale? It's probably a four or something. Yeah, I'm sorry. Excuse me. Four is nice. No, it's not quite a four. Then. It's it's an eight. Eight. It's a golden, very clear. Yeah. And from the sip, tastes kind of like just a lager, doesn't it? It's a lot maltier than you might expect, mm-hmm. I think. And, you know, the, the, the vinous qualities you smell don't really come through that much in the taste. There's a There's a good deal of malt there. And in the background, there's a bit of, I don't know, a sugary sweetness that maybe you might think of going along with something like uh, something like a, a fruit, a dark fruit, but without the dark fruitiness, but just the sweetness from the dark fruit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not, yeah. I mean, when you, when I think of a bearded guard, I think usually you know light and fruity, and occasionally funky, and this doesn't have those really qualities. Well, you know, I've only like I said last week, I can count the number of bearded guards on one hand, and maybe I'm going on to the second hand with this one. Mm-hmm. So I really don't know the style. I, I do know that the ones I've liked the best was the one we had last week, which was the sour one. Right. I don't think that's very representative of the style. I don't think funky is part of the bearded guard style. I think it's going to be a fruity, floral, Belgian and French style mm-hmm. ale. Um, this one has this. Lagery type flavor to it, almost like a uh, a Hellas or a Kolsch. It's interesting. You know, there's it's, a bit of that. It's true. I do think that you know a Hellas it has kind of the same sweetness as this does. That sort of background sweetness. Uh, it feels 
a has bit, a bit of that noble twang too. You think so? Mm-hmm. I don't really taste a noble twang. But I'm chasing just sort of a decent drinker, decent drinker, not an exceptional drinker. But it's um, it's not a bad beer. It's not a beer you're like, Bleh. it's just it, it doesn't really have some you know the incredible trademarks that you like to see in in, in beers like these. Like, mm-hmm. You know, I'm thinking of other beer to guards like the one we had last week. That was just, I, you know, yeah, that was very good. Yeah. But then again, I don't think I can really say that's representative. Mm-hmm. So, well, what does the BJCP say? All right. So, so the so, flavor says high malt flavor, medium to high malt flavor, often with a toasty, toffee, or caramel-like sweetness. It fits. You think? I'm, so I'm not getting toasty caramel. I'm getting more. Give it a chance. Give it a chance to 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 linger on your tongue a bit. And I do think that there's maybe some toffee in there. I can I can definitely taste the toffee there. Okay. Low to moderate esters and alcohol flavors. So there, I was wrong with my impression. That it was going to be a very fruity ale. I thought it was high in esters. Mm-hmm. I think I was probably basing my first idea of what a beer to guard was probably after the heavyweights beer to guard, the beer to art, yeah. which was very fruity. So. See all these years. <laughs> so, so this is really <laughs> over the past five beer de guards I've had. <laughs> I've been wrong. This one is really much more to style than the other beer de guards we've had. Uh, basically, the aroma should have malty sweetness, complex light to moderate toasty character, low to moderate esters, a little no hop aroma, maybe a bit spicy. I mean, that's this is very this is fitting that very well. And flavor, like you said, medium to high malt flavor with mm-hmm. toasty toffee like caramel sweetness. Malt flavors and complexity tend to increase as beer color darkens. This is a rel- relatively light one. Mm-hmm. Um, medium to low hop bitterness. I, this this really does seem to fit that profile pretty well. Like I said, I don't want to say it's a it, it, it's not a bad beer by any stretch of imagination. But you know, last week we had such an amazing flight of beers that, mm-hmm. and, and we're, we're expecting a lot from the ones that are coming up too. So it just kind of feels like this is. This is, you know, it's way better than like a Budweiser, but it's still, <laughs> it's probably going to not quite be on the same level as these other, these other beers we're having. But we haven't tasted them yet, so we don't know. Right. Yeah, I actually got a little more enjoyable as I went through it. That first hit of where I was thought I was tasting Noble Twang and Lager, it went away. But to me, it still seemed a lot like a Hellas. Maybe a little slightly more fruity than a Hellas, right? Mm-hmm. But Yeah, Hellas and sweet, basically a sweet lager. Um, sweet air lager with a little bit of sugary sweetness to it. Yeah, so it's it's a good beer. I definitely would recommend people try it. Uh, but I mean, there are some great beer guards out there that <laughs> that rock our socks off, and right. this doesn't quite qualify. So I was looking at the uh, current episode edition of All About Beer magazine, mm-hmm. and on the cover it says 125 places to have a beer before you die. Okay. So I went through the list. And I have been to twelve. That's not bad. It's not bad. And then, but there's ones in here that you know are ridiculously close that I haven't been to. Really, Monk's Cafe out in Philly, uh-huh. the Brick Skeller in Washington D.C. And well, we uh, can go there. I, I know. And <laughs> yes, it'll be checked off on the list in uh, May for sure. It's an interesting list. Places all over the world, and there's places you know that I drove drove past, like Monk's Cafe, and wasn't on didn't have time to stop there, or, or Seedlands Grove Brewing in the middle of Pennsylvania. There, and just like, is there any place around here? Uh, Church Brewworks is one of them. Great Lakes Brewing Company is another. So yeah, there, it's it's. 
I think the list is generally meant to be spread out, so everyone yeah. has something close yeah. to them, right? Yeah, there's some good stuff on there. And uh, is it around the world too? I mean, it's around the world. Yeah, yeah. there's like a couple places in Belgium. They talk about Oktoberfest, and actually, I was looking through the list. I thought maybe one of the brew pubs I stopped at in Singapore might have been on the list, right? <laughs> Just because a token, you know, Asian type thing, right? Because there was a couple in Japan and whatnot. There was, was there Tokyo? Was there no? There wasn't anyone in support. I didn't see any in support. Mm-hmm. I think it was Tokyo. The one in Japan. So, but no, that wasn't there. But I've been to 12, and hopefully by the end of this year, I can make that like 14. <laughs> just you have to keep a checklist now of that whole list and just keep it's going. It's a pretty down. cool list, you know, at least. It's um, like my father, and I've started to do this too, is try to keep a, a list of all the states I've been to. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm trying to think of ones that I haven't been to. There, there are less that I haven't been to okay. that I've been to. That's, that's, that's kind of nice. So this is uh, the Victory, Victory Brewing Company's V Saison. No, I believe we've done this on the show before, but... We did, we did V12, which was their quadruple. Okay. So maybe we haven't done the Saison. We may have. It's We've done 111 shows. <laughs> it's hard to look back at the... Uh, it's been a while since I've had this. The all the time. And I used to love this, so mm-hmm. I'm curious to see if I still think of it the same way I used to. It was one of the first Saisons I had, and I'm like, oh, man, I love Saison. This mm-hmm. is so good. So let's see what I think now. Now, Saison is, for those who don't know. That uh, translates to season, and it is a, a Belgian farmhouse style. So while it's not a sour lambic, there's a little bit of tartness, a tiny bit of, I wouldn't really go as far as say funk, but there's a little bit of tartness, tart character to it. Um, typically brewed in the house in... The oh, I'm drawing a blank. It's either in the fall to drink in the spring, or in the spring, probably in the spring to drink in the summer or something. Because it's they brew it, they cellar it, and they drink it when it's not a good time to make beer. Right. So I think it's probably brew in the spring and drink in the summer. Well, it, there's definitely a tart smell you can you can get off of this. It's the color is. A slightly darker, maybe it's about uh, nine or ten in the SRM scale. It's about uh, slightly cloudy. It's a little good. cloudy, yeah. So, if you don't have an SRM scale nearby, what does that translate to? Goldenrod. Mm, translate be- somewhere between the skin of a lemon and the skin of an orange. Somewhere <laughs> in in the okay. middle there. There's a lot a lot of tartness coming out of this smell. I'm trying to detect other aromas. Mm. Lots of fruity flavors. I'm yeah. Ooh. I think pear's a big one in there. Plum. Plum, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely plum. Fresh plum. Mm-hmm. Um, ooh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a, a bit of, like, dark grapes. Um, mm-hmm. Wow. So, it, overall, it's a, it's a sweet one. It's not, it's not mm-hmm. really dry. It finishes a little sweet and malty little sugary but there's a good complexity to this there, there's a lot of great flavors in here 7.5 percent alcohol by volume yep it was uh bottled on july 3rd 07 cajun court yep. picked up at the brew pub brought, really yep brought home by me hmm. actually donated by victory beer so thank you well, they sure know how to donate. <laughs> that last sip, I just got a bit of hops in the back, actually. 
Yeah, there can be you know a bit of hops in this beer. It's not going to be anything American, right? You know, hopping, but it, it'll be hoppy compared to other Belgian style beers. We'll get some hops in there. At the end, there's just a tad bit of funk, a tad bit of that kind of close to sewer drain. But it's a good. I mean, it actually is a <laughs> it's good the accent. Best sewer drain ever. It's a good accent to the whole fruitiness. I, I don't know. You know, how yeah. else to describe it? But there, there's just there's a little bit of a flavor that would probably be off in a lot of beers, but with the with the fruitiness in here, it actually works well. I think it's probably just you know part and parcel of the process of mm-hmm. making the beer. Yeah, the yeast they use give off. When I brew my saisons, there's a, there's a saison yeast, but it's notoriously poor at um, fermenting out dry. Like it never reaches. It, it just leaves the beers too sweet, and a lot of people have problems with it, and they have to either finish out with a different yeast or um, they substitute completely. And the one I've been using is the uh, the Y yeast, uh, Belgian Ardennes yeast. And that seems to work pretty well for making a Saison. This is pretty complex. I mean, this is more complex than the Saison you've made. <laughs> the, the Victory, I mean, it's a big brewing company. They have mm-hmm. a lot more a lot more resources. Yeah, I don't know if I'd, I'd shoot for something this sweet. I don't know if I was making it. I think I'd go to dry it out a little bit more. I, I agree. I mean, you know, you, you can go d- different ways to this. I think this is really, um, really very good. I'm <laughs> really, really enjoying the, the the complexity of the flavors here. A lot of the flavors that, you know, are like a Belgian triple, but you don't get that high, sweet alcohol and um, high carbonation out mm-hmm. of it. But, you know, the, a lot of the flavors are very similar to that. Add, take out that part and get a little bit more tart and earthy in here. And you'll get, uh, yeah. There's that earthy bit at the end. It'd be interesting to try this right by side Golden Monkey, just to see how it the two would be. beers. I, I, I remember Golden Monkey's being kind of a lot, a lot sweeter. Yeah, I'm just saying, you know, the both the Belgian beers from Victory. Right. Be curious to contrast the two right beside each other. What would this go with? Fish. Um. Polenta. Interesting. Something Spanish. Interesting. Maybe grits. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking the sweetness in here and like the starchiness or something. Yeah. Like that. So you know you get some of that earthiness and stuff and the yeah the starchiness. You know this would go great with the risotto. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> this would go terrific with the risotto. Yeah. Especially like a, a a red wine risotto or something like that. Oh, I gotta tell you, I went. Uh, we had a we had a visitor at work, mm-hmm. and whenever someone from the apartment visits, we you know do lots of dinners. We went to the Tin Angel, which is a four star place up on Mount Washington. Yeah. It's right beside the Lamont, and um, you know the, the dinner was this you know five course thing, and you pick a you have several options for right. several, a couple of the courses, and um, you know yeah dinner. So dinner was like. 70 bucks, 80 bucks a person or a place like that. So a decent place. Yeah, that's what you'd expect, I would say. They didn't have... The best beer they had was Beck's. Mm. So I drank wine, actually. They didn't have a sommelier. I was so... Actually, I didn't do it because I was dressed in a t-shirt because I didn't know we were going there after work. Uh-huh. So I was horribly underdressed. Everyone right. else at least had a collar shirt on. And I was wearing a t-shirt. So I didn't want to be a smart ass. You know, I... Um, so I didn't do it, but it was the kind of place where you wanted to ask the sommelier about his best box wine. Yeah. You know, if I was dressed nicer, I would have done it. <laughs> we had a, uh, a, there's a Cabernet Sauvignon that was 
nice and dry, very good. Wine does go well with food. Yeah. <laughs> it went well. As much as we like have this, food. Uh, they have this Black Forest uh, filet mignon where it's stuffed with cherries. <laughs> Ridiculously good. It sounds good. I was out last night and um, I was at a bar that didn't really have a, a very good selection of beer. One thing they had was Newcastle. I hadn't tried that in a long time. And I said, you know what? I'll give it a shot because I'll see mm-hmm. what it tastes like. Was it tap or bottle? It was tap. Okay. Uh, and the prominent flavor I got out of it was green apple. So there must have been a lot of acetaldehyde in it. I mean, it was <laughs> Maybe it also could have been cleanliness of the tap lines. It, uh, it could have been. I mean, it wasn't exactly the, the most <laughs> top-notch bar in the world. It was this place called uh, called Firewaters right by PNC Park. Oh, okay. Um, would, would you get that Ischelia High from tap lines? You might. Not positively sure, but I've never really got green apples out of Newcastle itself, so I would suspect the tap line. I mean, it's been a long time since I had Newcastle, and I had it, and I with the two friends I was with, I said, do you taste green apples in this? And they both said yes. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they, they probably wouldn't have pulled it out if I hadn't mentioned it, but, right. you know, I was tasting and trying to figure out what the flavors were there, and it was all green apple. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like one of a couple of the beers that I was uh, tasting at the, homebrew yeah. com- at the homebrew competition. That day, for some reason, maybe because I was sitting next to Keith, and Keith, you know, is hypersensitive for acetaldehyde. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that's all I was picking out, too. <laughs> and when I drank my barley wine, I'm like, damn it, it's all green apples. <laughs> Well, I was surprised. I mean, you know, I I remember Newcastle as being, you know, very really non-offensive, which mm-hmm. is kind of why it's so popular. Yeah. Uh, but I don't remember it having that kind of. Yeah, I mean, last time I had it, it was a bottle, and I would expect draft to be a little bit fuller embodied, but it just seemed like you know, like where's the malt that a brownie is supposed to have? Yeah. You know, I've become just accustomed to something with more full flavor. And um, when yeah, when you said something that was you know dominant in green apples, I'd have to say it was a cleanliness problem. All right, well there you go. Make sure your tap lines are clean. I mean, it, my friend was saying that he had like a Labatt Blue or something. He said it was it was awful. Tap lines were disgusting. Okay. <laughs> At PNC Park, though, they do have Penn Pilsner, mm-hmm. so that was. Did you go to a ball game? I did go to a ball game. Okay. And I had Penn Pilsner, and it was uh, you know I had two of those, and that was really nice. Mm-hmm. It's not. Not the best Pilsner ever, but it's it's a decent ballpark right. beer. Do they some, have Pen Vites in there or no? No, they only have Pen Pilsner and Pen Gold. Oh, okay. And so I was like, I'm going to go with the Pilsner. They have that one restaurant down on the side there. I don't know if you can get to it from the inside of the park during the ball game or not. But I don't I think, know either. I think they might have Vites in there. I'm not sure. I, I, I passed by it, mm-hmm. so I know what you're talking about. It depends about. on like whether yeah. they close the front door or the back door. <laughs> I don't know when the back door is open, so... All right. Now this next call, like which way do we go? It's going to be a tough one. Um, strong ale or potentially sour ale? I, I say we go with the sour ale. Okay. The potentially sour ale because then the strong ale will hopefully, you know, muscle its way through. Muscle its way through. Like like the percolator did. <laughs> yeah. I was editing the show and listening to that, and I said at the beginning, I'm like, that's blasphemous. Who would add coffee to a doppelbock? At the end, I'm like, oh my god, I think coffee to a doppelbock, it's genius. <laughs> I, I think, you know, it, it bears repeating how 
how that beer stood out from all the other beers, even after we had these, these huge amount of excellent beers with all these sour flavors, we had a coffee doppelbach that impressed the hell out of us. That shouldn't happen. <laughs> and it but, did, and that just goes to show you how, how great that beer was. Yeah. It's a pair, It's one of those unlikely pairings. Yeah. It's like uh, IPA and pancakes. <laughs> so this one is Fuego del Otoño. is an autumn fire ale brewed with chestnuts and spices from Jolly Pumpkin. Okay, so the also, robe on this thing is just off the charts. It's just all right. absurd what I think I'm smelling. It's just like, I'm not even sure what I think I'm smelling. Also aged in oak barrels. Oh my god. <laughs> Okay, so now now I'm getting some sourness. There's some lactic acid in there. There's some sulfur in there. But then there's, you know, there's this chestnut or I, I guess what the chestnuts add to the beer. It's just this some strange. spiciness in the background. Some some weird weird earthy spiciness. The the color is sort of like an, a a lighter orange. And it's somewhat cloudy, not quite as cloudy as the Victory Saison one. Ha ha! <laughs> mm. It's it's sour. It's a considerably sour beer. It's you, got. Would you say considerable? I said it was a, a lightly soured beer compared to like the ones, some of the ones we had last week. Well, I mean, compared to <laughs> maybe it. it in, in this flight of beers, it's very okay. sour. It's, um, I mean, it's not like quite pucker your mouth up super sour, but I'm still tasting it. Mm-hmm. Trying to get the other flavors there. There, there. There's a subtle bit of of that earthiness that I think that the chestnut brings to it, but it's pretty subtle. And if you did, if someone didn't tell you there were chestnuts there, I think it'd be pretty hard to pick out. Yeah, it's a light body beer overall. Mm-hmm. It's a very thin flavor. You get some sour. And you, you're in there sifting for the other flavors. It's not like they really hit you on the head. Yeah. The sourness builds after several sips. It, it starts, does. It, it's hanging out inside my cheek tissue, and it just starts every sip, you know, a little bit more get added to the party. But, you know, I do taste that at the end of there, there there is that earthy hit that I'm sure comes from the chestnuts and, and whatever spices mm-hmm. they're putting in there. You know, if you gave this to me blind, I don't know what I would call it. But I certainly wouldn't say, oh, there are chestnuts in there. But when you tell me there are chestnuts, I can taste them. Yeah, I'm not sure I ever had chestnuts. Never had chestnuts roasting on an open fire? No. Sleigh bells jingle. You know, chestnuts are kind of this earthy nut. It's not exactly super flavorful like a cashew Mm -hmm. or, or a pecan or something like that. It's got this, you know, sort of earthy background to it. Uh, Are they anything like walnuts or? Something like walnuts, I think. They're... Uh, it's hard to talk about nuts when they're. It's hard to talk about a lot of flavors when, when you're not like right in front of them. But I'm, I'm trying to you know distinct. I mean, walnuts kind of have this. It, it, there's also a chewiness to walnuts, uh, and but they do have I think a similar earthiness to chestnuts. Okay. They are true nuts as opposed to like mm-hmm. cashews and peanuts, which are not. Right. Got some poetic stuff on the side here. Basically, says they they brew the beer in the autumn. You know when the chestnuts are ripening and 
and uh, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> now, here's a neat little... Okay, so it's poetic. Yeah. They're talking about the gentle amber malts lend a smooth caramel notes, gently lapping against the shore of a distant forgotten spice. <laughs> but they don't tell us. They don't tell us what the distant forgotten spice was. A beer to sip is the brain to of contemplate. a bird. <laughs> a beer to sip, to contemplate, to enjoy. Well, we got the right beer on the show then. Mm. Cheers and mahalo plenty. <laughs> Just like last week. This is the Fuego del Otono. Otonio. Otonio. I believe, I believe it's Otonio. This is batch 244 and batch 245. <laughs> they kind of mix them together. Those Jolly Pumpkin guys, they know how to brew a beer. Yeah. There's, um... I mean, Jeff and I are, are true, like, sour heads in terms of beers, so... You know, I was just thinking this a few seconds ago, and I think it'll probably state your opinion, you know. Russian River gets all the attention for brewing sour beers. Jolly Pumpkin. <laughs> well, I mean, I'd love to have, see a head-to-head Russian River Jolly Pumpkin, you know, wild beer competition. It you would know? be interesting. You know, the thing is, we're, I mean, we're so into sour beers that we kind of... A sour beer immediately jumps up very high on our scale, no matter what it is. And I'm wondering whether that's the true with with people who are listening that they have the same kind of experience. There's some people. Some of our listeners gave us feedback that they, you know, we've talked about sour beers and they've given their first sour beer a try and they didn't like it. Then there's other ones who are the exact opposite. They've never had sour beers and they love the tartness. You yeah, know? and that's the that's the um, boat that you know I find a lot of people fall into. We talked about how. First couple of times I was taking coworkers from North Carolina out to Tyler's, I'd take them through a beer flight for dinner and I'd cap off the night with like a Rodenbach Grand Cru or something like that, expecting that I'll have a 25 ounce bottle of delicious heaven to drink all right, myself. Yeah. And, you know, just about everyone I've given it to, like everyone but a single person, you know, loves like, it. So, like seven out of eight people have never had a sour beer and they loved it. They thought it was fantastic. So, it's just. If the person you know enjoys complex flavors that are in any kind of food, mm-hmm. then you know it's not as it acquired a taste as you may first presume. Because I thought you know, yeah, sour beers are an acquired taste. You have to learn to like them, but uh, not not so much the truth. So I'm trying to think of what this would go with, and I'm thinking like a beef stew. That would go. I mean, it has such a light flavor and body. I'm just thinking like that 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 sour stuff mm-hmm. would go really well with you know you know a strong kind of meaty beefy yeah, broth. It probably work because there's enough sourness that builds. I'm thinking if you look at the body of this beer, you might want to try to pair it with something complementary in the body. But you know, yeah, beef stew would work as well. I'm not sure. Like, um, I mean, it's too easy to say fish, fish, fish. You know, I'm not even thinking fish. I'm thinking, um. You know, chicken salad, you know, like a salad with grilled chicken, vinaigrette dressing, something like that, something with a tart dressing on it. That would work, too. That would work, too. You know, what or, I... you know, like, think of a salad with, um, yeah, vinaigrette, avocado, strawberries. What I find really interesting about Jolly Pumpkin is, you know, they all, they make all these sour beers, aged in oak bottles, and they, they just try different things. I mean, this is just, they, they brew with chestnuts and spices, and like, mm-hmm. let's see what that works out as. <laughs> That's... Beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. They they really need to be commended. We need to get those guys on the show. We should drive up to Dexter, Michigan and uh <laughs> and make them be on the show. 
We're not leaving till you let us in. Mm. And let us drink from your barrels. <laughs> let us take one of your barrels home. Like I said, I mean, you know, I'm the I'm the guy who says I wouldn't pay a huge amount of money for beer. That that was the Bam beer we had last night. No, the beer to Mars. The beer to Mars. I, I'd pay easy two hundred dollars a case. Easy. Yeah. Yep, that's exactly what we talked about. I'm really glad you guys got to hear last week's show. Hopefully, it didn't turn it off. I think it's listenable, so we'll see what kind of feedback we get. Hmm. All right, on to the okay. Uh, so yeah, this is the Al Smith Horny Devil Ale. It's a Belgian style ale brewed with coriander, so it's a whip beer, a strong, strong whip beer. Yeah. This is from Mike in San Diego. Thank you, Mike. Mike gave us a wonderful care package. Yep. The uh, guard dog was from Flying Dog themselves, and the other two were from me. Oh, no, Victory. Victory. Sent, yeah, Victory sent it. But I brought it all the way back to Pittsburgh, damn it. <laughs> it wasn't too far. I mean, it was just in Downingtown, right? <laughs> just outside of Philly, man. Just outside of Philly. Well, that's a different aroma, that's for sure. You come off the sour one, and you take aroma here, and it's like, hmm, that's, that's different. And it's hard to place. But I guess now I'm starting to get some of the wheat and coriander. Now that I give it, you know, now that my tongue, or my tongue, my, my nose has a chance to get used to it. A huge, complex Belgian-style ale spices coriander. Horny Devil is brewed with Belgian candy sugar, yeast from a Trappist monastery, the resulting aromas and flavors intrigue and delight the palate. It is Alesmith's most award-winning beer, earning judges' comments like, Amazing! The best beer I've ever had. <laughs> Taste yourself, and you'll agree. Alesmith Ales are hand-forged to perfection. Silver medal, Great American Beer Festival, 1998. So I got a little bit of marketing speaking there. Proves with age. Store in a cool, dark place for 6 to 24 months or longer. Do not refrigerate until ready to drink, serve 50 to 55 degrees. Pour gently into an Alesmith tulip glass, leaving Brewer's yeast in bottle. It's fantastic. It's really fantastic. Ooh. <laughs> That's good. That is, you know, right after a sour beer, you think, you know, how's, how's a whip you're going to hold up? It's got it's got a really great body. It's got this the delicious wheat sweetness with the just a great amount of sweetness there. The the spices are just right. I mean, like perfectly in sync with the beer. There's no overboard on coriander. There's no underboard on coriander. There's a little bit of pepperiness. It's just perfect. The coriander flavor is undisturbed. I mean, mm-hmm. it tastes like coriander. It's 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 in there, but it's not overpowering it. Melds with the other flavors, but it's yet undisturbed. It's it's interesting because nor- I've seldom had a wit beer where the coriander tastes like this. Yeah, and it's um, it's got that weedy graininess too, which mm-hmm. also just you know really helps the mouth feel. That's really good. <laughs> That's really good. Could use a little chill on it. I think it's not yeah. quite cold enough. It might be a little. It might be better to be a little bit cold. We, I mean, ours. We're not sure the temperature, but I didn't refrigerate this, so it's probably around sixty-five, sixty-eight degrees, something like that. So it could use a chill on it. So it's bringing out at the end because of the the flavors. Maybe a little bit of of, uh, of fruitiness, I guess, mm-hmm. is coming a little bit more than probably that is necessary for the beer. Right. 
but still, it's still fantastic. <laughs> Would you agree with judges who said amazing and the best beer I've ever had? I don't know about the best beer I've ever had, but it certainly is fantastic. You know, the best beer I ever had may have been last week. Ooh, those are some strong words. But they were good. That was a good show. That um, I'm absolutely serious when I say that that uh, beer to Mars was probably the best beer I've ever had. I mean, it's it was. So such an amazing it was good. beer, such it was an amazing beer. I I likewise say that the um, the raspberry ice block, and that was a terrific beer too. And the only I, thing is, I just wasn't feeling it. Yeah, at the time, I was you know? feeling it so much. Yeah. It was just like this is. I could not imagine a better dessert beer. You know, right? I mean, but actually. You, I was. I could tell I was a little bit drunk when I was editing the show, or when I we were talking about this last week, because I was so repetitive and right. like, and just saying, "No, Greg, you're wrong." Blah blah blah. blah. Actually, I cut some of it because it was just too repetitive really? for the listener. So, and it's still repetitive. What made it to air? So, I'm not going to get back into it this week. But well, I'm I mean, just going to say that is up there with chocolate. For one of my best beers of the year, I I definitely appreciate it. But you know, you've you've been in those, mm-hmm. in those experiences, I'm sure, where you right. had something that you oh, knew I, was terrific, but you just weren't feeling it at the time. I I agree with you. This week, last week, I was a little too drunk to, to <laughs> see that concede that point. <laughs> so, you know, there was we didn't mention it um, last week. I think we wanted to, but we never got around to it. There was. Uh, well, there are two kind of news stories. There was that one story about how beer makes people less smart, essentially. They had the, the, the Czechoslovakian scientists that they were studying, and they said that the people who drank more beer wrote less... They had less published papers less published papers. journals. Right. And they found, and you know, some people looked into it and found that it was like a super small sample size. Like 32 was, people. Right. And, and, it was just, and, and it was really just two people who affected the entire the entire line so it was really like saying okay these two guys drink a lot of beer and so they kind of lower it for everybody else so right. it was really a very unscientific study ultimately but the other one was this one that um i showed jeff last night that they're in california thinking of oh yeah thinking of, of adding a sales tax an appreciable sales tax to beer and because beer is like Cigarettes is essentially justification that we have to pay for, you know, the 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 health cost of people on cigarettes, and the same thing should apply to people who have alcohol. And of course, that's silly from the perspective of us who, right? And it, it's it it impacts us more yeah. because you know this bottle of Alesmith probably well in California beer is cheap, so I mean it probably costs eight dollars, right? Where you can get a bottle of Bud for a buck fifty, we pay significantly more tax. Should almost be an inverse tax, right? The cheaper the beer, <laughs> the more taxes you have maybe. to pay. Maybe, you know, maybe that that I don't know if they could actually justify that. Or a that flat to, tax. A flat tax would be better. Well, what they did, I mean, they they, they applied it previously to Alcapops, which I have no problem with. You know, they applying that tax to Alcapops. It's just because you don't like Alka Pops, right? Well, it's just because I, mean, I feel that Alka Pops are just, you know, are there for, they're, they're a marketing thing in response to what kids like, essentially. You know, a bunch of fruitiness and alcohol. It, it's not like this, cra- you know, it's not like crafted beer where you're really trying to present, uh, 
you know a, a taste and a flavor. You're really trying to mm-hmm. do something with with your with your drink. Okay. I mean, it has alcohol in it, but alcohol is not the purpose of the of the drink. Right. Well, for craft beer. For craft beer. Arguably for all beer, but mostly for craft beer. Right. But when you look at it, you know, what is the difference between craft tobacco and craft alcohol? I mean, I mean, sure, there could be craft tobacco, right? You could have. I'm sure the people who smoke in their pipes would consider their tobacco mm-hmm. craft tobacco, whereas people who do smoke Marlboros are not going to consider their stuff craft tobacco. Mm-hmm. I don't smoke. I hate secondhand smoke. So, right. You know, but I also don't think it's the government's place to legislate against it. But, you know, you, you, to play devil's advocate, it's like, you know, yeah, there can be craft anything. There can be craft ketchup, right? <laughs> there can yes. be craft tobacco. I mean, and, you know, it's a higher price. So when you have a percentage-based tax, the people who are enjoying it for the complexities cool. and not abusing it actually you have to pay a higher, higher, more money into the tax, which bugs me. There should be an inverse tax or no tax. <laughs> but then, you know, th- then – Beer like Budweiser could, you know, fight, or or any company can kind of, you know, hit the middle there and just raise the price of their beer just enough so the tax falls and yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> you definitely game the system. That... There's no good solution, unfortunately. I do think the, I think that. Well, I guess the flat tax would be the best solution, or not tax, no tax or flat tax. Well, maybe the solution is to tax based on the size of the brewery, but then you get a problem where what if the, a great craft brewery gets big, like say. Boston beer. Mm-hmm. Just stop taxing alcohol and tobacco. Just let the people <laughs> die and don't give them health care. <laughs> Social Darwinism. There you go. Exactly. That's how I feel about it. So let's um, let's get off of the, the politics and go into the the beer order. Yeah, I'm finishing up this Alesmith. Well, not finishing. I'm finishing up my glass of Alesmith. Very good. You're not kidding. It's it's kind of it was another, it's another very good show, but I don't think ranking is going to be all that difficult. I'm having a lot of trouble actually. Actually, the top two are tough. The top for me. the top three are frankly kind of tough for not me. Not for me, no. So for me, I'm going to put them in well, the reverse order that we drank them. Okay. So I'm going to put the not sour beer over the sour beer. That Ale Smith was tasty, and when I said I've never tasted a beer. Or seldom tasted a beer, or tastes like I'm tasting real coriander peppers, corns. Right. You know, it, 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 they were unaltered in this beer, and to bring something like that out in a beer, it's like when a double IPA brings out a hop flavor that tastes like a handful of fresh hops smells. That's impressive because most people just can't do that. There's something special there. Yeah. So the Ale Smith is number one. The Fuego del Antonio is going to be number two. Great sour beer. Um. What it needed to beat the Ailsmith, I'm not sure. I think the Ailsmith that used a coriander really just stepped it up. Maybe a little more malt if it was a little more like a Flanders. I might have put it in front of the, the Ailsmith, but I'm not sure. But I'm not knocking it. I don't think they should change it. It's no. <laughs> Number three, I'm going to put the Vises on, um, mostly because the sour beer was drier, thinner, a little more complex than the Vises on, which I used to love. It just tasted too sweet for me today. Hmm. A little too much sweetness. If it was dried out a little bit, and maybe that's not fair. Maybe my expectations are off, but I, I wished it was a little bit sweeter. Okay. And then finally, I'm going to put the guard dog. I, I enjoyed it, but it it didn't really 
compared to the other ones for me. It was definitely the yeah where it belongs in last place. I think I think that's you know I think I, I agree with you there. My my last place is definitely the the the, the guard dog just because well the other three were really great beers and the the guard dog was just a good beer. Um, Boy, these three are very tough for me because I really did like the Victory Saison a lot. Mm-hmm. I liked the fruitiness there. I, I liked, you know, what it was giving me. Uh, of course, I, I'm a sucker for sour. Anything sour will, will get me, and this was really good with that interesting, like, chestnut bit to it. Mm-hmm. And then that's Ale Smith. Was, but the, I, I got to have Ale Smith first because it was just, it was so terrific. It was it just, it nailed it. It nailed exactly what that kind of beer should be. It nailed as as perfectly as, as I think I've ever had a wit beer. Essentially spot on for a wit beer, just perfect. Um, boy, I mean, I have, okay, great sourness, interesting chestnut flavor, really great freeness with the Saison. Oh, it's a tough one, but um, I, I mean, by saying that they're within arc second, arc seconds of each other, <laughs> it's, you know, it, it's so close to me because, but I probably would say, you know, if you gave me a choice between a sour beer and a Saison, I'd jump on the sour beer. So just because of that, I'm going to put the Jolly Pumpkin for a uh, second and uh, Saison so third. So it's I, rare. I, is, it, is it because of its rarity or because you like sour beers? Because I like sour beers. Because, okay. you, know, you know, I often have to consider that because sour beers are rare. They're yeah. hard to find. You can't go to the store and just pick up a sour right, beer. Right. So I'm trying not to give the rarity any bonus in rankings when I do these things. I think that it's just, I mean, that certainly applies. I mean, if every beer I had was sour, then maybe the sweet beer would story. be, you know, the one to look yeah. for, right? If the whole world was sour beers, right? So, but I'm just, I mean, I'm so impressed with sour beers that they always, always lift my spirits, always make me feel great. You know, just always <laughs> make me feel like I'm drinking something terrific here. And it's, you know, that and that's the thing that hits it. I think the victory actually probably has slightly better. Like fruity flavors and complexities, but it's just a sourness wins out for me. So I agree with your with your list, but for slightly different reasons. Okay. All right. So this show should sound fine, shouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> that helps. Yeah. Thanks, Jeff. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> a little reminiscent of last week. The um, and we'll be back next time with some more beers, I suppose. That would probably be a good idea. Yeah, because it's not April first, so we won't be doing any other fun shows. <laughs> any other shows are insulting. All right, guys, see you next time. Yeah. That's all for Craft Beer Radio. You can send us feedback to beer at craftbeerradio.com. And feel free to send us an audio comment in MP3. The opening and closing music was Out of Towners from the band St. Dragon and was found on the Podsafe Music Network, music.podshow.com. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Check out craftbeerradio.com for more information. Bye.
Yeah, I'm gonna go. 